You are listening to The Mallory Report, a live radio show that ventures into the mysteries of life, as well as the hot topics of the day, either political or business. Welcome everybody in this evening to the Mario Report. Good show lined up as I want to say as always, but well, I'm sure my guests will appreciate this. Some of them come off better than other ones, but I'm sure tonight's will be fine. Don't get me wrong. Don't don't be taking that the wrong way. But my guest tonight is Denise Pridemore. She's she's done a few of these shows. So she knows exactly what I'm talking about. And it, oh maybe, yeah, I'm done. Maybe, before we start, maybe you can answer this one: the ones that you think are the worst are the ones that everybody else loves. Yeah, or is, that, or is that just me? Like the ones I'd be like, full delete, don't even think about it. Oh man, that's the greatest show ever! Like, <laughs> I I had one that I did it at my mom's house, and I don't know if if you've listened. I know you've listened to my shows a few times, and I was interviewing the people from the Missouri State Pen, uh, Maggie and Thomas. There, you know, he used to be a prison guard there, and she was a tour guide, and they were on Ghost Adventures. They were on, you know, all the shows. They were on all of them. And uh, the whole time, my mom, my mom had a swimming pool in her yard that was defunct. It had become a toad pond. So all you could hear is toads in the background. And there's nothing I could do about it, because if we closed all the windows, it had been hot, because she didn't have air. And so... That is one of my strangest shows was that I had another one where I had a guest where people started telling me that stuff was happening in their houses. Haunted stuff was happening in their houses randomly while I was talking to this guest. And I had to stop the show because there was a hail core coming towards us. And so I had to stop the show only 45 minutes in. But it got listened to a lot because people were saying, hey, this stuff was happening in my house while you were talking to him. And I was like, okay, well, and I've never listened to it again. Yeah, well, I barely listened to, uh, let's see, we'll say 10 of my old shows. (laughs) Well, you know, we got different things we got to do. Yeah, there's a lot, when I do listen to them, because there was a time I was trying to go through and pick up little things and promote them, right? I'd sit here and go, Oh, you sound like an idiot. Like, God, do you hear yourself right now? Like, what is wrong with you? No, <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> right. Right. And you sit there and you go, why did I say that? And so you critique yourself and you spend all this time going, I can't do that again. And then it, it actually limits you later on. Yeah. You start, start second guessing everything and you sit here and go, ah, so, okay. So you started that, you started that show in twenty. 15, 16? 2015. Um, it's coming, well, in April, it'll be seven years. Are you crazy? So, yeah, six <laughs> and a half years I've been doing this. And I I love it. I'm on hiatus right now because of some family things going on. But um, it's I still love doing the show every time. I, I love talking to new people and finding out what they're doing, what's different in the paranormal between, you know, this team and this team. And, you know, I learn a lot from, from them talking. I also learn some stuff I don't want to do, you know, so with the good comes the questionable. Nobody told you not to come on this show. So you apparently aren't listening enough. Oh no, nobody told me not to come on this. (laughs) Plus I've known you, Probably five or six years anyway. I was going to say, probably about the time you started the show. It, mm-hmm. it seems like I've known you that long. Yeah, and, and like I said, I know that you listen, and you're friends with Kat Hobson, the you know the the producer of our network, and uh, I couldn't so, ask for a better producer. So give me the dirt on her. Or friend. <laughs> the dirt on her? She really is as sweet as she sounds, but don't piss her off. I'm just saying. Um, I love spending every every minute with her that I can. Um, she sent me a message yesterday, and we ended up on the phone for an hour and a half. And uh, deciding what we wanted to, you know, how long we wanted me to take a hiatus for. Because I, I don't like going week to week. 
and it just had gotten to the point with the, well, I got a new grandbaby a few months ago, and my daughter got sick, bad teeth, a bunch of things, and they needed me. And so I couldn't break away from from that. So, you know, family first, right? That's right. And thank God Kat understands that because she's got a family too. And uh, so we just decided I was just going to take off the the rest of this the rest of October and I was going to come back full force in November. And uh, I feel bad about that because, you know, October is one of our best months for paranormal talk. Yeah. It's- you know, but again, especially Monday nights. I mean, everybody's home on Monday night. Yeah. That's well. That's why I do Tuesday nights, right? Everybody's home, supposedly. Yeah, I mean, if well, if you're doing, you know, Friday, then you, you're running that risk of people being gone because you know everybody wants to investigate Friday night, Saturday night. You know, so it works out um, that I get the paranormal hangover crowd, <laughs> and which, and it which, works. And like I said, works in my to my advantage. So I well, well, since we're talking cat Hobson, we'll go there for a minute. Um, well, you know the unfortunate situation she found herself in a couple of years ago now, and she messaged me and yeah, we, yeah. Talked, we talked for a little bit, and then she called me, and well, it seemed to turned out okay for her. So yeah, it has, and um, yeah, not long after that, she contacted me because um, I suddenly found myself without a network too, and I had. Um, sat back and the the owner of that network had said that they were probably going to be taking their network down and I said well then I'll hang out with you until you do being very loyal and uh, apparently it didn't pay off and uh, he decided I needed to go he said my work ethic was not there and I mean what am I doing right now I'm working but my real job has to come before you know, the, the job that pays me has to come before the job that doesn't right. and, uh, and my family. And he just didn't, he just, I think he just wanted to get rid of me. I think he was just done. What was funny is that I was just on his network about two weeks ago and he welcomed me with open arms and said how much he missed me and, and all this other stuff. And I was like, huh, <laughs> but, um, I'm just so happy that when it came down to it, I was offered positions on three different networks when this happened and when Kat said when she threw her hat in the ring I basically said no I don't need any of those other ones and another one was a friends network but I had a feeling that he was going to be taking it down because he was very tired and another one was a big name network that has gone down since so and by the time I got started with Kat I think I went went two shows and then I ended up in the hospital with a collapsed lung and not long after that she ended up in the hospital with a broken leg <laughs> and so it's like okay what are we doing here <laughs> I don't know how many shows she produced for me uh, uh, medicated so that was I mean it was an interesting time but we stood by each other through through all that and uh, we've been friends since that first network that I was on we both started in the same place, and she started just a few months before me, and we've been friends ever since. She sent me a message. When, well, we were chatting one night, and she sent me a message. Are all these buttons always this fuzzy? And I went, <laughs> no, no, they're probably not. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Like, oh, is this on Sam Broadcaster? Yeah, and she's like, are all they always that fuzzy? And I'm like, no, that's the medication. Hit the middle of the button. Hit the middle of the fuzz. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, not shocked. But, you know, you helped her out a ton with that interview because she talks about that interview all the time. It is one of her most, first of all, challenging interviews, but it's the one that she felt she wanted to do more than anything. Well, I'm, I, so. it's always good that when you can help, you got to help somebody. I mean, there's, I mean, everybody thinks this field's a big competition, and for those people that it, they think it's a competition, it is. And for the rest of us, I think we enjoy making sure everybody else has their moment. So when our moment comes, we have people to enjoy it with. At least that's how yeah, I look at it. And, yeah, I do too. I don't, I'm not out there looking to get on 
big radio or anything. I'm just out there wanting to bring people information that they're not going to get otherwise in a format that they can understand because you don't have to use big words all the time when you talk about things. You know, layman's terms works great with the average crowd. You know, yeah, other times, yeah, there are times that you want to use those big words and get everybody to understand what you're talking about and make you sound smart. But sounding smart is 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 an illusion because in this field, you're only as smart as as people believe you are because we don't know. I mean, this is one of those huge fields of don't know, don't know where... Yeah. yeah. Don't know if if it truly is a ghost. It could be an alien. I don't know. I mean, until till I die, I'm not going to know. So it's a lot of speculation. And I have found for the years, the smarter you try to make yourself look, the more likely you are to make yourself look like a fool. But yep. <laughs> okay. I know you just said you put the show on hiatus, but go ahead and give me that clean promo before I forget, because I actually want to get to the reason. Well. That is part of the reason I had, wanted to have you here, but we've got a lot to get back to bringing that circle full story. <laughs> so my I'm on WBHM-DB.com on Monday nights at 7 p.m. Central, and the show is called The Paranormal Pride. And uh, for a little bit there, at one point in time, that name was very controversial um, because there was two famous people that tried to take my name. wasn't me. And... Uh, uh, Chip Coffee and Adam Berry. Oh. They wanted paranormal pride and pride meaning yeah. uh, gay pride as opposed to pride as in a family. And in my case, it's my name. And we just had to prove that I had it longer. So I did. So it was, you know, it was, uh, it was nice that they wanted to use it and that they ceased and desisted when, when, uh, when requested. That's the key. Okay, so, so, so let's go back to before radio. I'm sure there's a paranormal twist into this before radio. So what got you interested in the paranormal? I had, um, way back when, when I was four years old, which was just like last week, um, I had an out-of-body experience. I lived in New Jersey, and lovely Patterson, New Jersey, and my grandparents lived in Baltimore, and I had told my dad, just randomly, I just said, um, Grandpa t twisted Grandma's neck. Dad's like, I don't know what you're talking about. About 15 minutes later, we get a phone call that my grandfather had been in a car accident. Um, he got like four stitches. My grandmother was dead. He had hit a light pole on a bridge on Annapolis Road in Baltimore City. And her side of the car was totaled, and both her both her arms and both her legs were broken. And during the autopsy, they found out that her neck was broken as well. And back then, seatbelts weren't required, and she was terrified of cars. So this was way back when, in 1970, 19, yeah, 1971, 1970. And so, like I said, I was just four years old, and... More than likely, it was an icy day. It was February. But all I remember was telling them that Grandpa had twisted Grandma's neck. And they they just told me that I was, you know, you're four years old, you're imagining stuff. And so I went on my merry way. And when I was 10, it happened again. And it was my dad. We had had a, a disagreement on July 3rd, 1975. And uh, I told my dad... I told him I, I, I hoped he died. I said, I don't want to go with you. He wanted to take us to Newport News, Virginia. And my mom and dad were separated at the time. And, you know, and I didn't take my dad's side. I just didn't like my dad's girlfriend. I didn't take mom's side either. I didn't like her boyfriend. But it, it was what it was. I just, I had said this and I was, you know, I'm not going with you. I hate you. I hope you die kind of thing. Which, you know, kids say that stuff. They don't even think about it. Well, that same night, my dad was at his father's house, and there was an argument over a poker game. Some bathtub gin was involved and some other things, and uh, there was a disagreement, and my grandfather came after my father and stabbed my father in the liver, and my dad ended up bleeding to death. 
and there's more to the story, but that's the gist of it. The next, you know, later on that day, that morning, I got up and I went out in the kitchen and I told my mom, I said, this is what happened. Dad's gone. And my dad's girlfriend is sitting at the kitchen table with my mother. Okay. They were best friends before long, like I said, really long story, but she was sitting at the table and everything I said, she said happened. So I apparently had an out of body experience and saw my dad at my grandfather's house in the car and at the hospital when he died and even told my mother what his final words were. And my dad's girlfriend concurred with all of it. And so that was my, the the two experiences that I remember the most. There were other little things, but those are the ones that got me involved in the paranormal when I grew up. I mean, I had, I got to see spirits in Gettysburg on field trips, spirits in Washington, D.C. on field trips, you know, living in Baltimore growing up and going to school there, we had field trips everywhere that was haunted. You know, the only place I didn't get to go was Antietam. But, you know, I got to see spirits and I had to act like I didn't because, you know, after that day when my dad died and I told my mom all this, she told me, she goes, you have to keep your mouth shut. You cannot tell people what you saw that, that you, and all this other stuff. If you do, they're going to think you're crazy. And in 1975, yeah, they would have thought I was crazy. So um, I kept my mouth shut. Most of my friends had no clue that I saw anything, um, in, including Ron, my husband. We were married 11 years before he realized what I was telling him was, hey, our house is haunted. I kept telling him, you know, there's a 16-year-old boy that comes into our bedroom and says, Mom, I say what? And he disappears. And when a we were buying a car at a car dealership, the guy goes, I know your address. You live in the suicide house. We both looked at each other, and I said, see? <laughs> we, and, and he said it was a 16-year-old boy who had committed suicide in our downstairs. And uh, that's when, as a family, both Ron and I got involved in the paranormal was right after that. And our kids also saw the same boy, and they were, they, they were little. And what was funny about it is that they kept telling telling us and I told and Ron knew I never said anything to them because it wasn't appropriate for me to say anything um, to them about hey our house is haunted you know and so I never did and then when they started telling me about the stuff it was like oh that's interesting you know I just kind of didn't know how to deal with it since my family told me keep your mouth shut you know so but my kids still are um, two of my children enjoy the paranormal and two could care less the two so, that do but my grandchildren love it i was gonna say the two that do are they the same sex just wondering because it's just more material all my apart. all my kids are all my kids are girls oh well that makes that conversation get a lot quicker <laughs> yeah but 50 50 um well my oldest Lacey, she would go on um trips with us to to haunted places, you know, like McPike Mansion. I gave her a tour at the Sally House once. Um, she would hunt down haunted hotels just to say, look, it's not haunted. You know, she's more the, yeah, I'm going to go, but I don't believe it's haunted. And um, she wanted to drink with the ghosts more than she wanted to investigate them. And then my daughter, Lindsay, loves watching the shows with her daughter, Piper. And Piper gets all excited every time she sees Ghost Adventures with me on there. She just gets there's grandma and uh lindsey was actually the first one to share a picture of me on ghost adventures on online and this is my mom and so i thought that was funny my daughter lauren she sees spirits she's my third youngest or third oldest whichever way you want to look at it um she actually lives on a haunted farmstead um They've got Native Americans out there, and they think they have aliens, too, but we're not sure. And, uh, yeah, we're not really sure what it is. So she lives on a, on there. And then my daughter, Lauren, who's my youngest, she has she sees spirits every now and then, but it more creeps her out than it does, in, you know, get her excited about it. But she used to investigate with us. She used to come on all the tours at the Sally House with us and, and all that when she was, you know, 12, 13, 14 
And I know people say that's bad, but we were tour guides. We weren't investigating at those at that time, but we still shouldn't have taken her um, because I think that that really did her in. So she's she's not really that interested anymore, but she does tell me that grandma is, is haunting her apartment. So to see the grandbabies. Well, there's worse people that could be there. That's true. Could be my grandfather who the other day it was funny i was had to create you know questions and they it asked you know, you know for security i said what is what was your grandfather's nickname and i typed out serial killer <laughs> and Ron goes, nobody else is going to have that <laughs> and i was like no because he did he killed about um, i have a count of five people that he killed and of those five he did them all when he was drinking so they never put two and two together that he was technically a drunk serial killer. So every time he'd get drunk, he'd kill somebody just about. And uh, he went to jail in multiple counties and multiple states, and nobody ever put two and two together until I started researching it. And uh, and it's still hard. I mean, it's hard to research stuff back in the 50s and 60s because there's not a lot of information digital. So... And not knowing exactly where he lived and all that. But way back then, I found it back in the 80s on Microfish and all this other stuff. So, I mean, I had it. I lost it somewhere. But, you know, I talked to Jeff Mudgett. He wants to know what it was like for me to live with a serial killer. Because I lived with my grandfather for a long time. Me, my sisters, my mom. It was my dad's dad. But my mom and us lived with him for a little bit during my parents' breakup. Like I said, weird story. I mean, um, and I tell people all the time, I don't get suicidal, I get homicidal, so be be careful. Jeff Midge, uh, Mudgett, I haven't heard that name in a few years, actually. And I need to get, I sh- uh, you know, everybody was having him on there for a while, and I kept saying, I'll get him, I'll get him, you know, after he cools off a little bit. And then you just brought him up, I'm like, I never did talk to him. <laughs> well, I hope to be seeing him next week in Vegas. We We try to go over to Red Rocks and see him when he's over there. See that's that's funny how the universe works in these in these matters at times. Like, okay, so you mentioned the Sally House and the the Pike McMan the easy for me to say the McPike Mansion. Good grief! Mm-hmm. You can tell how things just roll off my tongue. Uh, so let's go through <laughs> them. Um, tell me, I mean, I'm, 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 the Sally House is probably more known because of Ghost Adventures and all that other stuff, but. For the listeners out there who may be new and unfamiliar with it, why don't you give a little bit about that? Well, there is a lot of misinformation, surprising, huh, on the Sally House. Um, when we got first got started, it was because of, I had seen in 1994, they were on sightings. And I was nursing a baby in the middle of the night, and it was also on, you know, uh, with that other show, um, not my ghost story, a, um, a haunting. You know, they would come on on TNT in the middle of the night, or in, in the middle of the night. And I mean, I would tape it on on VHS. That tells you how old I am. And so I would either watch it in the middle of the night, or I would tape it and watch it. And they were on a few times. Actually, they were on a haunting twice. And uh, I looked at Ron one day, and I go where in the world is Atchison, Kansas? And, you know, we didn't know it was only 90 minutes away from where we were because we didn't have computers in the house. Yeah, we had a road atlas, but, you know, I never thought to look because I lived in Missouri. So it's like, "Mm, well, whatever. And it's really not that far. It's right across the state line from Missouri. And and our kids were little, and I didn't know that they had, in 1994, they actually started the trolley tour up there. And they took and they wrote a book of all the haunted stories that they had, and they made Atchison into a haunted destination way back in the day. And so move forward about 10 years, my daughter gets me a Christmas gift, which is a ghost meter, a book about the Sally house by, by the Pickmans and uh, a point and shoot thermometer, you know, with a laser pointer. We got a lot of use out of the laser pointer with the cats. And um, so we went on a trolley tour with Lauren and Leah. And I had the little book that they had written from the, the stories from the Chamber of Commerce up there. And I took notes in that book. 
book's gone. I don't have no clue where it is. But I took notes on it, and I mean, I sat there and I listened to everything that they had to say. We drive by the Sally house, and they're talking about a little girl died from a botched appendectomy. And I'm like, no, that's not true. On a haunting, they said she died from pneumonia and that she was the love child of this doctor and his housekeeper. And it's like, and they're not saying that. They're just saying that she was somebody that was brought to the house by by a neighbor and she was sick and her, and she needed her appendix worked on. And they was, had this really dumb movie. It's the beginning of uh, Robbie Thomas's movie on the Sally house. So it makes the doctor look like a, like a drunken fool. And so right there, I have two different stories to go with and the house doesn't look at all like the house on a haunting, you know? So that was in July, September, they had open tours, you know, where you could go in at, at one o'clock and leave at five o'clock and you could go into the house and do a self-guided tour. And so I go in the house and I am, flabbergasted by how much it doesn't look like the house on TV. Okay, that's the first thing. I'm, I'm upset about this, you know. And I look around and there's ropes cut, you know, saying you can't go in the dining room, you can't go down the basement, you can't go in the nursery upstairs, you know, all this stuff and people just standing around and if you ask a question they point it at the wall and say, read the sign. I was like, this is horrible. And so, but we still brought equipment and we did some dowsing rod sessions and we did some other things and we had a great time. The following week, we decided to go back. We brought more equipment with us and we had the best time. We helped a lady um, connect with her father who she had to pull the plug on. And it was, it was enlightening for her to have that experience. And the thing is, is, she asked test questions that I had no clue what the answers were. So when the dowsing rods crossed or went away or he went, you know, open or closed, she knew that it was her dad talking to her. And that was when I told Ron on the way home, I said, I got to find a way to get in here where I don't have to pay. I said, this is ridiculous. I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay 10 bucks every week per person to get in here. So I contacted the chamber of commerce and said, Hey, my company will pay you pay you to let me volunteer thousand dollars a year and uh, I said just have to volunteer for 40 hours every six months easy peasy right easy money for them great for me I get to do what I want to do so the next year we did it a few times and they didn't take advantage of the 40 hours which was their fault but the year after that we got a new boss up there and we talked her into fixing the stairs to the basement so that I didn't have to keep telling people, well, why can't you go in the basement? Oh, because the stairs are rickety and we don't need any more spirits here. <laughs> you know, sarcasm would take over. And I said, and I want to take down all these signs. I said, because the, these signs are false. I said, unless it talks about the Pickmans, that's the only facts we know about this house is the stuff that they wrote in their book. And that's factual to them, but not, we don't know what, what occurred, but we have to take them at their word. And um, one of the things that they had put on one of the signs was that a lady had fallen to her death down these stairs. And, and I'm looking at this and I'm going, well, that should be easy enough to prove. So all these signs on the, on the walls just irritated me to the point where I started researching. I have thousands of pages of research on the people that lived in that house and was able to document um, five deaths in that house and four funerals and um, who they were and, and everything else. I was able to document all that. But again, that second year we were, or third year we were there, I would be giving, you know, dowsing rod sessions with people, teaching them how to use the equipment, which nobody was doing this before. They were just standing around or sitting on the sofa just telling people, you know, go upstairs or read the signs. We're actually making it interactive, and it was easy money for the chamber. They were getting five, 600 people through their on a Saturday in four hours. And we had Yelp reviews like you wouldn't believe because people were having paranormal experiences because they were being encouraged to, as opposed to read the signs, you know, 
And it's back to that. I'm sorry to say it's back to read the signs and you can't go in the basement. You can't go in the nursery. You know, you can't do any of this stuff anymore. And your tour is $18 instead of 10. And, uh, it's only for 20 to 30 minutes. And so people aren't happy. So they're not getting really good Yelp reviews. And, uh, and then on top of all this, you know, after all these years, I had made so many friends that one of those friends was Joe Sertone from um, My Ghost Story, from um, Paranormal Survivor. He was on the first season of that. He was he actually did Paranormal Survivor on the Sally House, and he had written a book about um, the Sally House and about an investigation that they did. They were going to have a Christian team go in there and clear it, and this was their whole thing, was that they were going to go in and clear all these haunted locations and and help the families. Well, they were interested because Tony was getting attacked all the time. and But he had told me on my second interview, okay, my second interview was, was him, and he said, I will never go to that house again. After listening to me for about a year, he decided he wanted to go back in there, but only with me. And asked me if I would be, if I would be interested in doing that with them, and so that did happen in 2017. Him and a film crew came up, and during the solar eclipse, you know, we had totality up there, and um, they they investigated through that whole time. Uh, Joe Zertrone and Richard Grund both are high-standing members in their church. Richard is a, is a rabbi, and, and uh, Joe is a deacon. But prior to these positions that they held, they were on the other side. They were making deals with the devil. So they knew what they were getting into and what they had to do to clear the house. So in August 2017, they cleared that house. And so... And I know for a fact that it happened because for years, every time we would go there, you know, if somebody was there investigating, the spirits would come here and tell me, oh, this this guy is doing this. You know, Tim Wood would go in there and do stupid things. And a lot of people know who Tim Wood is. Um, he would go in there and do stupid things. And um, the spirits would come here and tell me that. And so on the weekend when we'd go up there, I would have to clean everything up because there would be salt everywhere and, you know, chicken wire and fish uh, fish string and all this other stuff. And, I mean, it was irritating because he set stuff up. And it used to really irritate the life out of me. Well, or right before we would go up there, we would get, hey, you know, this is what's going to happen up there, that you're it's going to be an active day, you, you know, know this, know this, know this. And, I mean, and I... I knew what was going to happen beforehand, the spirits would tell me. That morning, after they had cleared the house, the spirits came here. There was like 50 of them in my bedroom. And they said, you know, they were chattering a lot. And then suddenly, I, when I opened my eyes, I looked, and there was this bright light there. And the spirit I saw was Agnes Finney True, she lived in the house the longest. It was her dad built the house, and she lived there the longest of anyone. So, see, kind of kind of off the story of a little girl dying from a botched appendectomy. And she looks at me, and I see all these spirits that I know, and she says, thank you, and goodbye, and they all left. We went back um, the first weekend in September, and nothing the smell was gone, the bugs were gone, uh, the house felt like any other house, the wasps were gone. There was, I mean, there was little black bugs all over that house. There were wasps all the time. There was flies, yeah, all kinds of stuff. It was disgusting. And all of a sudden, you don't smell mildew anymore. You don't, you're not seeing this. And I'm like, oh, it worked. You know, because I wanted to go back in there to see what they had done. And so we went three, we went three times in September of 2017, most boring time I ever had there. And if it wasn't for the spirits that came with the people there, we would have had nothing to talk about. We talked about the old days. Um, Echo Box used to cuss 
all the time. Ron would use an echo box down in the basement. It would cuss at him and cuss at the people down there. You know, I mean, it was kind of R-rated most of the time. And nothing. I mean, it was silent. And so it went from one extreme to the other. So whatever they did worked. What's bad is people have gone there since talking to other spirits and they're telling me that it's it's haunted again and more than likely they've brought their own spirits there or conjured some new ones yeah i mean that's probably the case i mean that's what i i i you know have this fine line debate about things like that where you know people crossing spirits over i get that some of them but i don't get the the uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Discount, wholesale. Let's clear everybody out a bit, either. Right, and the thing is, is I knew why they were coming up, but the chamber didn't ask them those questions, and so I was the liaison between the city and the people that owned the McIntyre Villa back then. Um, I know you've heard of that recently um, because it's all over the news, uh, paranormal news and uh, the Sally House, and um, there's a mansion across the street from the Sally House called the Glick Mansion. Um, There's a man, well, there's like 29 mansions there. Because at one time, this was a huge, I mean, they had a lot of rich people in this town. And uh, there's like the Gargoyle House there. I mean, it's, the houses are amazing. You've got this little bitty cottage. (laughs) I was going to say, stop, we need to talk about this for a second, because, I mean, this doesn't sound like, were they lost? Why were they in Kansas? <laughs> why? Why are these rich people what, in Kansas? These mansions? Yeah, because actually, Atchison, Kansas, was one of the you know you got Leavenworth that's just south of it, that which is the oldest city in Kansas. You think because you know it was the prison on the on the prairie. You know this is where they would send the worst people because they could. You know, if the winter didn't kill them, the the Missouri River would, or the Indians. So this is just north of there, and the town was founded by this guy who wanted it wanted Kansas to be a slave slave town, wanted Kansas or Kansas to be slave uh, state, and David Rice Atchison was that guy, and he only stepped foot there one day and left, and just that's what he wanted, and from there, funny story, it ended up being a non-slave town by the flip of a quarter. The two guys that were running for mayor of the town tied. So they did a flip of the corner quarter and heads won. And it ended up being non-slave. And because of the railroad coming through there, it was the place to be. The Atchison-Topeka Railroad was there. Um, part of uh, BNSF now. So um, it's still got um, some, it's got a place there that, a steel plant that makes um, train parts. I don't remember if it's wheel, I don't think it's wheels. I think it's uh, axles and other things. And uh, it's not open, I mean, it's closed down a few times, but there's really, to be honest, I don't know why. You know, at one point in time, there was probably 30,000 people that lived in Atchison. There might be 9,000 now. It's it's not, it's it's a dirty town, to be honest. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm going to tell you, I'm grateful that I got to do what I did up there, doing the tours and meeting all the people. But I don't tell people to go there anymore. Um, it's not easy to get to. It's not off a main road. You know, it's not like it's off an interstate. You've got half the time the road's flooded from the Missouri side, and the other half of the time they're doing construction on the road from the Kansas side. (laughs) So it's not great because Ron has to go up there all the time for for work, and it's like it's not not an easy place to get to. Like I said, we live 90 minutes from there, and just to get there from the airport is 45 minutes. So, I don't know. It's not, it's not an easy place to get to, and uh, but you know there is a strange coincidence between Atchison and Alton, Illinois. One of the things is if you fold the map of Missouri in half, Atchison and Alton will fall on top of each other. 
One's on the Missouri, one's on the Mississippi. The guy who built McPike Mansion, his brother built a McPike Drug Company in Atchison, Kansas. Now, see that? That's, so, that's yeah. So, so these people that I investigated, you know, the Finney family, were actually friends with the McPike family. And one other thing that people don't realize is that the Sally House and the Villisca Axe Murder House actually have the same address, just in different towns. <laughs> I know I random know. crap. I know. I know, but I don't even know what to do with that. Like, what, what's? Well, <laughs> I mean, if you if you're into numerology, five oh eight equals thirteen. You know, is there something there? You know, because you know fourteen oh eight. Oh well, that equals thirteen. You know. So it makes you go, huh, is there something going on here that we should be researching? And, you know, Dr. Finney, one of the key things that I had found out throughout all my research is that when this Sally person would have been alive, if she existed, she did not exist, um, I went through every death record in Atchison County from about the time that they said that this happened. And there was no record of anyone named Sally, Elizabeth, Margaret, um, Nobody that matched the description of this child, supposedly, that had died there. What I did find was he didn't even live in the house at the time. He lived in the house next door. And he was elected mayor in 1913 by all the women in town. Because in Kansas, women could vote in local elections sooner than they could almost anywhere in the country. And so... If he was going to be considered a bad guy and killed somebody's kid, don't you think that every woman in town would have been going, he killed her kid. We can't vote for him. We got to, you know, you know, this and that. And the governor lived across the street. Okay. I mean, directly the Glick Mansion that was the first Democrat governor of the state of Kansas. And he lived there. And here's this guy who did not live in the Sally house. He lived in the house next door. And But his family owned that house originally. His father built it, and his mother, um, after the dad died, said, this house is not becoming of a doctor. And so the story about him having an affair with his nurse was wrong because he was married to uh, a brewmaster's daughter from Missouri. And what's funny about that is Kansas was a dry state. We had prohibition here longer than anywhere else. And so he was actually asked to step down from mayor because he actually brought beer to one of the Eagles Club's meetings that he had. It was bad. You know, it was bad. You brought you brought liquor here. And uh, so that was one of the reasons that he wasn't mayor for long. But they asked him to run again after they asked him to step down. So, I mean, there's all kinds of – I know. And like I said, and I have all proof of all this from newspaper articles because they had like eight papers in the town and you know they never had anything negative to say about this guy dr finney you know saved this this child from a runaway saved a runaway carriage and you know fixed this person's leg and they reported everything so if something had happened it would have been reported i mean somebody broke a finger and he said it and that was in the paper you know so i mean and I have to tell you, Atchison is gossipy now. It was really gossipy back then. You knew what, the minute somebody stepped into the hotel why they were there and how long they were going to be there. It was bad. But, you know, if you research any small town, you're going to find that. Yeah, I'm going to drive this point home. This this has just been amazing. I just had this epiphany. Of course, I've had this before, but I'm going to share it now live with my audience because I don't think I've shared this before. And this conversation tonight is exactly the reason that I still love doing paranormal stuff. Because it's not about the ghost in the basement last week. It's about the story that goes back 100 years that we spent way more time figuring out. And it's a way better story than sitting in the basement for six, eight hours talking to ourselves. That is it right mm -hmm. there. It's way better. The, the history... I find, and these locations are amazing. But again, the first time I go, I don't really know anything about the location other than maybe something I saw on TV. And 
And I, like I said, I got upset when I heard these stories. And I think that there was a reason that I was drawn to the Sally House. And it was probably to help the Finney family cross over, to get the right people in there for them and get them to, to rest. And, and I think that's why I got the thank you and goodbye. Um, but again, and the and funny thing is, is I was obsessed I mean, when I say obsessed, like I said, I have thousands of pages of of data on on that house, on the families and, and everything. And Ron will tell you, he would wake up in the middle of the night and I would be researching something on my computer that came to me. I had to find the directory where did because people said, Oh, they lived in the basement while they were building this house. I was like, No, they didn't. They were they were outfitters. They had their own store somewhere. Well, I found out where their store was. It was right underneath where Amelia Earhart's grandparents lived, on the river. Found it, and that's where they lived. I found a directory that proved it. And that took me probably six years to find. And that was, you know, that was huge because it blew that out of the water. Um, the bigger thing is, is Amelia Earhart. That's the part that really gets me. Is it? They say she was born in Atchison. She wasn't. As I said, did you find her? No, I did not find her, but I found out that she was born in Wyandotte County, which is Kansas City, Kansas. Really? Not Atchison, Kansas. Yep. So needless to say, I'm on somebody's list somewhere. Well, I, I already figured Because that. They, they don't want that getting out. Yeah, they don't want that get out. And the movie that we filmed, he, he's been trying to do a post-mortem on that movie, but nobody from Atchison will talk to him now. The only one that will talk to him is me because I have nothing to lose. I don't live there. I don't care. Yeah, that's the other thing about so, the small town. So let me tell you. Ooh, ooh. Well, Benedictine <laughs> College is there, so it's a huge Catholic college, and they hated they hated the fact that this was a haunted town. They didn't want to accept it. And, I mean, but yet their college is haunted. You know, so, but yeah, it's it's one of those things that when you blow something out of the water sometimes it really ticks people off so I, especially a, when the truth comes out i've got a fun for, one for you about this in this vein of ticking people off I went to the <laughs> local historical society right and i found this civil war um well he was a, became a judge later was in the civil war became a judge later and um was supposed to be buried at the, this is a big cemetery in town right and I stopped mm-hmm. in and said, hey, I found this guy. And they, on the website, they had the plot, uh, the the lot, and then the plot number. I just needed to know where that was, like the section, so I could mm-hmm. find him. Fair enough question, right? And right. she's like... Should be easy. Yeah. Well, where'd you come up with that information? And I told her, and I said, you know, I told her the story. I told her who I was looking for. And she's like, why are you doing that? And I said, well, I'm just curious. I just want to go pay my respects to a gentleman. What's, you know, I was not giving... I mean, I knew... I wasn't going to tell her the full reason I was there because, right? I already knew that yeah. because of her town. Okay, so she brings me over to her, around her desk, and there's a filing cabinet, one of those free drawer filing cabinets with a photocopied map of the cemetery, right? And she points mm-hmm. from across the way, right there. So I come over and go to touch it, and she's like, Don't touch my map. And I'm like, Well, I'm just trying to get a visual. I'm like, What's around there? I said, this is, I mean, there's no, it's just a piece of paper. Where's that at? You'll figure it out. Hmm. I'm like, can I get a copy of the map then? So I can kind of see it when I'm, no, I'm not taking it off. Can I just take a picture of it? Yeah. Well, I wasn't even that smart at that time, right? Oh, okay. Right. I was so dumbfounded by this lady being so, you know, don't even touch it kind of deal. So. Yeah. Thankfully, the cemetery has a caretaker, and I seen he was home, like truck in the yard, and door front door to his office was open. And I said, "Hey, nice to meet you." Introduced myself and told him the same story, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I, nobody's ever been in here and asked about him." But and he's like, "Tell me that story again," because he starts scribbling his book. He's like, "I'll have to look him up because I never heard that, right?" And he pulls out these big, giant, well, not poster size maps of the sections, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, right there. I guess he is buried here. I never, never don't remember the name, though. 
and he hands me a little copied map and he draws an X on it. He's like, go up the road and he's like, where it wise off, you'll see it wise off and just keep back there and then, you know, he gives me this great description. He's like, if you have any trouble, just come back and get me and we'll go up on the, the side by side and I'll show you. I said, okay, I'll go try to find it myself. And so I went up and it's an there's no stone there. But I, the, he told me who was next, you know, the two next door. And so there's no stone there. And I said, well, that's interesting. No stone up there, but thanks for the information. He says, that is interesting, no stone up there. And I said, I wonder why. Because, I mean, this was a prominent man, a, a judge, you know, figured he'd have a stone and all this other stuff. So I started digging, and he was planning to be buried in Washington, D.C. He was not planning to be buried here. <laughs> and I think my call just ended middle of that story yep there we go <laughs> technology tonight live radio fun story where did i lose yet <laughs> fun story i was closing down some remote stuff on my computer and saw black and thought it was that oh <laughs> yeah, where so I, I thought where, I was shutting down my uh, my remote computers. <laughs> so where so, did I lose you at in my sorry. story? No, that's okay. Um, that you got up there and there were that that the stone wasn't there, but you yeah, yeah so so I, out there. So I, I stopped at the caretaker left and told him it wasn't there, but facts for the information. You know, I was, I was very appreciative that he took five minutes and showed me something, and I taught him something. And I said, it's weird that he doesn't have a stone. So I went home and I started researching and found out that he was planning on being buried in D.C. And his wife never came up. So they just found him a plot and put him in the ground. Oh. So I called him and I left that information for him. And he's like, oh, that's rough that, you know, she couldn't come see him. I mean, she was in D.C. and he died up here. And so that means probably only a few people here were at it a service for him and none of his, you know, his wife and his kids weren't and, you know. Yeah, that is sad because, you know, more than likely he actually had a um, headstone Yeah, I was in say, the he, other cemetery because that, cause she had one more yeah, than likely. A, as I say, so, I mean, she probably has one. Now, now I've got to look her up and see, well. See, that's, that's what I said. Well, that's the, the fun part great. of this. <laughs> yeah, I love Find a Grave. You can find oh. so many things there um and i've updated find a grave with some of the stories of the people that i had found um i had a encounter with this one spirit down in cherryvale uh kansas and she i mean ron was amazed i walked right to pretty much right to her grave i said i keep hearing this and and we go over there and found out that this woman her name was elizabeth she had died but her baby had died just before her and then she died, and they buried her baby on top of her in the same casket. And um, it was sad. I mean, it was really sad. And uh, they think she died from a broken heart. Right. And uh, so it was one of those things that I kept telling telling Ron. I said, I said, she's got a baby, you know, with her. And you know, I don't know. I don't know anything about this graveyard. I'd never been there before, and. I just kept hearing her. She wanted to tell her story. And this woman that was with us, I don't, I didn't have service down there. It's, it's very rural. It's not far from where the bloody benders were, the serial killers in Kansas that would kill travelers and bury them under their house. Not far from there. And, um, she looks it up on find a grave or something. And she tells us the story. And I mean, I'm almost in tears from this and every question we ask that's related to that she confirms and but she was irritated with her husband because he got remarried and he wasn't buried by her he was buried <laughs> across the way and she was telling us where he was buried and uh but she was she was pissed that he did not get buried with her that he got buried with his second wife <laughs> so it, but it was really interesting and all this was caught on film so I've got, well, mine, this story wasn't, but I've got one for you. Um, there's two cemeteries in town, and the, this man I was looking for was supposed to be in the old one, the old Pioneer Cemetery, right? And I go there, and I traipse around that thing for two and a half hours. It's not that big, right? It's probably probably 100 people buried there. Like, it's small. It's about the size of a, big, a good 
house in town. It's a double lot, but, you know, there's some actual still empty grass there and stuff. And I'm back, pacing back and forth, back, you know, up and down every row looking for this guy. I'm mad. Because I, I have an obituary. says he's here. I can't find him. So I get in my car and go over to the other cemetery. And I just need to go for a walk and clear my mind because I'm frustrated because I can't find this guy. About four seconds in, I trip on him. Literally trip on his headstone. Mm. Yeah. I was like... Oh. Just jumped up and jumped yeah. up for you. Jumped up and got uh-huh. me. Hey, pay attention to me. I'm like, oh, there you are. And I'm like, oh, maybe... Because it was kind of a common name. And I'm like, oh, no. And then I looked at the obituary and then there's the birth date and the death date. And then his son was there beside him. I'm like, yep, there you are. <laughs> well, this cemetery that we were at, for some reason, had a bunch of people with the name Lula buried there. And because as we were going through, I was like, there's, I said, I can't find this person. She's trying to talk to me. And I said, I think it's because we have the same name. And because my first name is Lula, very old fashioned. And, you know, I am sitting there just trying to figure out what, where she is. I can't find her. It wasn't like finding Elizabeth's grave where I was drawn right to it. You know, I knew where to go. But this other one, she couldn't tell me where she was at. And she had run away from home. This Actually, this cemetery, Vivian Vance is buried in it. You know who Vivian Vance is, right? Name rings a bell, but I'm having a hard time pricing at the moment because I'm so all over the place. Lu- Lucy's sidekick. Oh, okay, yeah. See, Ethel, like Ethel Mertz. Yeah, like, um, like I said, it's all, you know, <laughs> I'm sure you know how this is right now. <laughs> all this other stuff going yeah, through your so- mind, too. Yeah, she's from that town, and she's actually buried there. So that was one of the famous people that were buried there. I didn't get anything from her, but I also wasn't looking for her. I'm not one of those people that's starstruck. So right. just because you, you're famous doesn't mean, that, you know, you put your shoes on the same way I do. I'm not concerned. You know, unless you've got something to tell me, I don't I don't care. Um, I'm not going to fall all over myself for for that kind of stuff. That's all. But it was just... It is a really neat cemetery um, as far as that went. And I could understand why Elizabeth was was not at rest. So it was kind of, it was very strange to be honest. So. So I, oh, oh, good grief. Speaking of being all over the place, I look at the clock and I have a minute left with you. How did that happen? Because I can talk like anybody's business. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true too, but. It's, it's good to hear you talk instead of asking the questions. So I enjoy hearing you it, talk. It's, sometimes it's fun, you know, to to answer the questions as opposed to trying to come up with them. You know, so, and sometimes I'll have to tell you about McPike Mansion. It was also on <laughs> Ghost Adventures a long time ago, and we're actually going there um, in a couple weeks. And sometimes, uh, one of these times I'll have to be on your show, and I'll tell you all about my interesting life that we've kind of, because I, I want to talk to you about Gettysburg, because that's... Well, anyways, my listeners don't need okay. to hear that anymore, but I'll share that with your listeners. So, Yeah, my listeners <laughs> would probably love to hear it. Well, Denise, it has been a blast tonight, and I appreciate you jumping on with semi-late notice. I had a great time. So we'll catch up again soon. Yes, we will. All right, here we go. And that's Denise Pridemore of Paranormal Pride go check out her show when she comes back you can go check out the archives now anywhere fine podcast or download it um, it's almost that time to end this show we're going to do this right tonight have a good night thank you for listening to this episode of the Mount Report stay tuned for details on saving money at the Duck Pond Shop I hope you enjoyed this report Please subscribe so that you can join us again. And if you appreciate the show, leave us some stars or a review. For more notes from this show or other great shows, check out Mallard.com. A reminder, the views and opinions of the show are those of the host and guests and do not represent any sponsors, affiliates, or any other partners of the Mallard Report. Now for your money-saving tip. Promo code Mallard at checkout of DuckPondShop.com where you can get your t-shirt, coffee mug, and other great products. That's promo code Mallard at checkout, duckpawnshop.com. Until next week, stay safe and keep whacking.
You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.